Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday, and it is January the 31st, 2020, the month of January, almost in the rearview mirror, uh, as we plow on with lunacy to be um, found almost everywhere, especially in Washington. Uh, I thank you for joining me. Uh, Those of you familiar with my program, familiar with what I've been up to uh, ever since the attacks of 9-11, It has been my firm belief and my commitment to provide the information about immigration and related areas that impact national security, public safety, public health, and a host of other issues that are a vital concern to all Americans, irrespective of political orientation or any other factors. First and foremost, as Americans, we need to find common ground and that has been lacking in the public discourse for far too long. Pollsters who divide America up, not by reasonable demographics, age, education, uh, where in the country people live, uh, what their educational level is, whether or not they have children, those are rational demographics. People with kids are more concerned about the school system. People who live on farms care about the price of soybeans, but they probably couldn't care less about mass transit, and so it goes. But what we've found over the years is that the polls that are conducted and broadcast widely in the mainstream media, it's all about black voters, Jewish voters, Latino voters, Christian voters. Uh, This is crazy. This is crazy. And when I look at the articles um, and and the way that people describe one another, there's nothing polite or uh, civil about it insulting each other as Americans. My gosh, folks, we've got to grow up. We've got to get past it because that's exactly what our enemies want us to do. They want us to fight among ourselves. While we fight among among ourselves, if I can get the words out, they are taking us to the cleaners. It is costing Americans their lives, their livelihoods, their homes, the future of their children, all on the chopping block so that the true privileged elite the less than one percenters, the one half of one percenters are running roughshod all over us, aided and abetted by the mainstream media and corporations that are soulless and without morals. There is nothing compassionate about bringing people to America so that we can exploit them and treat them like garbage. <clears throat> There's nothing compassionate about ignoring American children who have learning disabilities so that we can teach illegal alien kids how to read English as a second language at great expense and very often without real effectiveness. You know, we are a nation of immigrants, but we're not a nation of trespassers. We certainly have a rich immigrant community, and my family is is living proof. My mom came here at the age of 13 ahead of the Holocaust. Her mother was unable to get out of Poland and died in the Holocaust. I was named for her. My dad's parents came to the United States from Russia, Uh, shortly after the turn of the last century. This is not about being anti-immigrant, but again, that's what the mainstream media will claim. They've divided us up, pro-immigrant, anti-immigrant. If you think that we ought to deport criminal aliens, if you think that we ought to not allow American workers to be displaced by American workers, they will take that big fat stamp and smack you in the head with it that says anti-immigrant. That's not anti-immigrant. It's not not anti-immigrant to want to prevent the entry of transnational gang members who, by the way, are most likely to prey on the ethnic immigrant communities, and not just from Latin America. The Russian mob, Asian organized crime, the Jamaican drug posses, the Italian mob, the Israeli mob. See, crime isn't limited to one race, one religion, one culture, because human nature is human nature. We all bleed red when we are cut. And human nature cuts across all of those artificial barriers that we create. Black, white, green, purple, orange, polka dots, it doesn't matter. Human nature is human nature. And every group has the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we need to understand that governments 
at a minimum, should be protecting their people from violence, from illness, provide for the education of our citizens, provide opportunities, provide security. And I don't care what side of the political aisle you stand on, I don't think anybody would argue that the primary mission of the government is to protect its citizens. That's why we have armed forces. That's why we have police and law enforcement officials to keep us safe. And we're doing a lousy job and we're doing a worse job as time passes because of the lunatic left so-called criminal justice reform. Don't you just love that term? So we're releasing supposed nonviolent offenders, nonviolent people who rob banks, people who rape and mug, um, nonviolent, baloney, baloney. It's lie after lie after lie, and the consequences are deadly. The carnage is unbearable. The loss of life, the loss of opportunities, the destruction of families, the destruction of the American dream, homelessness on the rise, and the open borders crowd, the, the radical left lunatics will say, oh, well, that's because of drugs and because of mental illness. Well, to an extent, mental illness is a factor. To an extent, drugs are a factor. But how about when you drive wages through the floorboards by making Americans compete with foreign workers, and because you flood the country with so many people that need a place to live, the demand for housing has never been higher. Guess what that does to the price of housing? It jacks it through the roof. So you have people who are working but are so poor that they cannot afford to rent an apartment. They are homeless and working. This is craziness, folks. This is what you see in the third world. Not that long ago, I was on my way to a TV program. I was going to be a guest on a show, and the driver, uh, I forget if he was from India or Pakistan. It really doesn't much matter, because what he had said to me was, to, he said, you know, this is the day after that first Democrat debate, the candidate's debate for the presidency. And he told me he came to America 20 years earlier, and he said to me, what would you think of the debate? I said, well, frankly, I didn't like any of the candidates. And he said, you know what those candidates sound like? Now, remember, this man is an immigrant from the third world. He said, those candidates sounded so much like the candidates from my country and the other third world countries. He said, this isn't the America that I immigrated to legally. And he expressed his frustration and his anger that today the media – And the politicians don't want to make a distinction between legal immigration and illegal immigration. And I said, well, you know, that's kind of like two guys walking out of a bank with money in their hand. One guy gets the money out of his bank account, and the other guy gets the money out at the point of his gun. They aren't both customers. One is and one isn't. And he thought it was a great analogy. And that's where we are today. And and now with this emergence of this deadly coronavirus, it seems to be spreading like wildfire through China. U.S. public health officials have declared an emergency. The president has stated that he will uh, order that people coming from China within the la- who have been to China within the last two weeks will not be admitted into the United States. Uh, I know he cannot do that with citizens, but he can do that with aliens. He has that authority. And, you know, and and so this brings me to the article that I most recently wrote for Front Page magazine. In fact, they just published it this morning. Talk about timing. Let me just bring it up on my computer. The title of my article, The Coronavirus and China's Travel Ban, the subtitle, The Left Lethal Hypocrisy Exposed. And this is what's so remarkable. Senator Bob Menendez um, and Cory Booker, both from New Jersey, are demanding that anybody coming to America from Asia should have to be inspected at Newark Airport for possible contagious viruses, for the coronavirus. Now, here's what's so amazing. Both of these characters want no border wall. Oh, my God, it's a wall of hate. How dare you? It's discriminatory. It's racist. It's hate. They go on. It's xenophobic. By the way, for the record, Next time someone says that the wall is a bad idea, the wall is not designed to seal America off from Mexico. That's how it's being portrayed in the uh, the media, isn't it? The wall. We're going to separate the United States from Mexico. Nothing could be further from the truth. The wall does not block off ports of entry. All that it would do is make certain that everyone who enters the country, people and cargo, 
are inspected and vetted and a record made of their entry if they are permitted in. It's not about keeping people out as long as they are legally eligible to enter the United States. It's like the velvet rope when you go to the bank and you follow that line to the next available teller. You have to see the teller in order to do your business. You have to see an immigration inspector, a CBP, Customs and Border Protection Inspector, if you want to enter the United States. It's only reasonable. To enter at other than a port of entry, number one, is against the law, and number two is the equivalent of breaking into someone's house. You don't climb through someone's back window and say, hi, I'm a guest. No, you're not a guest. At the very least, you're a trespasser, maybe a burglar. God knows, maybe a home invader. So this idea, oh, my God, the border wall is such a terrible idea. How terrible, how racist, how bigoted of us to put up a wall to make certain that any foreign national has no inherent right to enter the United States because aliens don't have an inherent right to enter. Just like no one but a member of your family, you and your family have a right to enter into your own home. Strangers can't walk in off the street and walk into your house and demand you let them in doesn't work that way no difference no difference so they're screaming oh my god what a bunch of racists they want a wall on the mexican border it's only to make certain that people don't run the border and people say well why don't we have one on the canadian border my answer is simple sure why not the problem is the canadian border is twice as long as the mexican border and the other part of the problem is our relationship with canada is very different from our relationship with mexico yes there are illegal aliens coming to the united states from canada but Canada's law enforcement officials are as good as ours here in the United States. They don't have the problem with drugs, gangs, violence, and corruption that we have in Mexico. Canada is not a third-world country. Mexico most certainly is, and I've been to both countries. And I can tell you, even when I walked with my kids across the bridge from Matamoros into Brownsville, Texas, a walk you wouldn't want to take today because the cartels have taken control of that region, what haven't they taken control of? In fact, look at that huge tunnel that was just discovered. Longest tunnel ever found by the Border Patrol connecting the United States and Mexico to move drugs, weapons, people, God knows, to evade the inspections process. <clears throat> now, what you need to focus on also, by the way, you see tunnels like that in Israel, don't you? Because Israel has a problem with terrorists. Terrorist insurgents come in by tunneling um, tunnels and come in from under the ground. Hezbollah, for years, has been operating in close coordination with the drug and human trafficking cartels of Mexico and Latin America. I've talked about it before. Go to my articles at Front Page Magazine. You'll see the pieces I've written about it, not based on my opinion, based on expert witness testimony at one congressional hearing after another congressional hearing after another congressional hearing. When will they have listenings? I've been before 17 hearings when will they have listenings? God only knows, but they certainly can't seem to hear anything. You know, it's really hard to uh, hear things, though, folks. Let's be fair about this when you have that much money shoved in your ear canals. Campaign contributions are bribes. Let's call those damn things what the hell they are. They are bribes. So we have politicians who spend tons of money on drones that are worthless, other technology that's worthless, and they say, well, we need to be in the 21st century. We need high-tech solutions. Get behind the wheel of your car. You steer the car with a wheel, and your car sits on four wheels. Wheels are one of the earliest inventions devised by the human species, aren't they? In fact, we use that expression, there's no need to constantly reinvent the wheel. But we use wheels because they work. It's called Occam's Razor. The simplest solution is the best solution. High tech sounds great. It looks like a movie set. Aren't we cool? Look at those monitors. Look at all that great technology that costs gazillions of dollars. By the way, the GAO a year or two ago did a study, and they found that those drones that cost hundreds of millions of dollars were involved with fewer than one-half of 1% 1 of Border Patrol arrests talk about no bang for the buck okay why it's part of the act you know president trump at this impeachment charade was accused of making deci political decisions in the guise of foreign relations so that he would get a good political outcome 
And in so doing, the allegation is by depriving the Ukraine government the um, money they need for weapons systems, we undermine their national security and our own national security. Let, let's be clear. The money was not taken from They got the money. It was delayed a bit, yes. And the president was concerned about corruption by Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, which is fair. You know, uh, I had a boss years ago, and I've said it before. I'll say it again. He used to address the agents of the office. and He would say, ladies and gentlemen, mostly it was gentlemen because we only had two female agents back then. He said, as federal agents, it's not enough that you don't engage in wrongdoing. You must never even give the illusion of wrongdoing. Hunter Biden working for Burisma with zero background in energy, getting, I don't know, what was the number, $50,000, $80,000 a month, a month with zero experience? Do you think maybe the fact that his father was the vice president of the United States of America at the time that made it seem to be a good deal for them? Companies don't throw money away. They're not the government. Why would they give this kid with zero experience and a checkered background that kind of money? Well, I don't know, but I kind of sort of think maybe it's reasonable to ask if perhaps the fact that his father was vice president had something to do with it. Does that not at very least provide an illusion of wrongdoing, of a conflict of interest? But if you want to talk about undermining national security, refusing to construct a wall to protect the country, to keep out drugs, criminals, terrorists, and competition for American workers, while spending hundreds of millions of dollars on worthless drones, boy, think of all the law violations you have here besides conspiracy squandering money on worthless programs to create the illusion of border security while the border remains wide open. Wow. I want someone to explain that doozy to me. You spent hundreds of millions of dollars on a program even after the GAO said those drones are worthless. I spoke to a Border Patrol pilot several years ago after I did an appearance on Neil Cavuto because I said that for my money, I'd rather buy helicopters and put armed agents on the helicopters. If you're a Border Patrol agent on the ground and you're overwhelmed by bad guys, and that happens, people like Brian Terry, the Border Patrol agent who was killed, certainly could have used backup, couldn't he? So you put a drone in the sky, and if, God forbid, you're an agent getting shot at, your family will have glossy 8 by 10 color photos of your demise. Is that what you want? Or if you're in a tough situation, wouldn't you rather look up and see a chopper with armed agents on board who could sit down next to you and back you up and save your cookies, okay? That's what you want. You want someone there who could save your butt, not take pictures of your demise. But what did the Congress do? What did Obama do? When the report came out that said that the the, uh, drones were just about worthless, The Obama administration, backed up by the Congress, immediately pumped hundreds of millions of dollars into more drones. Where was the impeachment hearing for that beauty? The 9-11 Commission made it clear. I provided testimony to the commission. They said that border security was national security, that to to stop terrorists in their tracks, we needed to see border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Their words, a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal not bogus drones that cost a bundle of money and accomplish nothing. So while they put up those drones, the borders remain functionally wide open. Criminals and drugs flowed freely into the United States. Guns from Fast and Furious and other operations flowed freely from the United States into Mexico, which got Mexicans killed. And the wall would have helped. It's not the solution. That's why they build tunnels, the bad guys. But there is no magic bullet. It's like the old um, Mad Magazine thing, you know, spy versus spy. You take one measure, your opponents do another thing. You do this, they do that. You do that, they do this. And so it goes. There's lots of holes in the bottom of our boat. And just plugging one hole doesn't work. You only need one hole in the bottom of the boat for the boat to wind up at the bottom of the lake. So you have these politicians who have been 101% against immigration law enforcement, 
101% against the construction of a border wall, now saying, don't let anybody into the country who might have the disease. We've got a newsflash for these mental geniuses, these giants of intellect. Aliens who run the border and evade the vetting process are not screened. They're not screened to determine if they're criminals. They're not screened to determine if they are terrorists. They're not screened to determine if they've been previously deported. And guess what? They are certainly not screened to find out if they're carrying a deadly virus. So the same yo-yos that are saying no border wall are now demanding health inspections, health inspections at ports of entry. And when people evade the ports of entry to come into the country uninspected, surreptitiously, under the radar, we have no idea they're here, and we have no idea that they have diseases. And we have seen diseases spring up in communities around the country, killing and injuring children. And these are diseases that we either vanquished many years ago or have never seen in the United States before. Do you think maybe some of this has something to do with people running the border in record numbers? We saw those caravans and so forth. And even without the caravans, every month, you know, hundreds of thousands of aliens descend on those various borders and methods of entry into the United States. It's just astonishing to me. And China, in response, has created what they call a travel ban. Well, that's really a travel ban. That is the right language. They've shut down movie theaters. They've shut down bus lines. They've shut down train lines. They've grounded airplanes. You want to talk about a travel ban? That, ladies and gentlemen, is one hell of a travel ban. When President Trump said we're not going to allow people into the United States if we can't properly screen them, we can't vet them, we're not getting cooperation from their governments, that's not a travel ban. And why, in the name of God, did Trump start to use the language of his adversaries as beyond me? It's one of my complaints about the president. Call this damn thing what it was. Not a travel ban, but an entry restriction. Sounds very different, doesn't it? I was about to do an appearance on um, Graham Ledger's program on One American News, the, the Daily Ledger. This is a couple of years ago. I just landed in Montana. General Paul Valley, retired general from the U.S. Army, invited me out to visit him at his home and then do a speaking engagement. And as we landed, I got a call from the producer of One American News. He said, Mike, what would you call the president's executive order? And by the way, he didn't need an executive order. All he needed to do was issue a proclamation under the law. And if you want to check out the law, it's in my article at uh, Front Page Magazine, or go to Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1182, parenthesis, small f. And it delineates the president's authority to decide unilaterally by himself to not let aliens into the United States. Uh, and, and here's the section of law. Let me read this to you. This isn't a travel ban. And he didn't need an executive order. All he needed to do was to issue a proclamation. And when the Supreme Court finally agreed with him, that was what he did, by the way. He didn't issue a travel ban or an executive order. It was a proclamation. But let me read this to you. This is right from the law. This law has been in existence for decades. It was used by Jimmy Carter. It was used by Obama and George W. Bush in different ways. Here we go. Whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or of any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, boy, stop and think about what a low bar that is. Detrimental to the interest. What does that mean? It doesn't say that they have to have a nuclear weapon or suffering from the Ebola virus or the coronavirus or killed 4,000 people. All it says is whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or of any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he, that is to say the president, may by proclamation, there's that word, folks, and for such period as he shall deem necessary, suspend the entry of all aliens. Let me repeat that. Suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants or impose on the entry of aliens any, any restrictions he, the president, may deem to be appropriate. How much authority does he have under that statute? Total complete 100 percent authority he may let me say this again suspend the entry of all aliens he could wake up tomorrow morning and say you know what 
We have too many illegal aliens in the United States, effective immediately. Nobody who's not an American citizen is getting in, and I don't care if you have a green card. He can do that. Standing law, part of the Immigration and Nationality Act. I'm going to read it one more time. So when you hear this nonsense about how outrageous the president is, how anti-immigrant he is, oh, my God, look what he's doing. The the, the Congress passed that law decades ago, the Immigration and Nationality Act. I'm going to read it one more time. I want you to memorize it or at least understand the importance and what this really means and how wide-ranging the president's authority is to regulate and control the flow of foreign nationals into the United States of America. I'm going to read it one more time. Whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or of any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may by proclamation and for such period as he shall deem necessary suspend the entry of all aliens or of any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants or impose on the entry of aliens any restriction he may deem to be appropriate. What in the world is the screaming about? He's added more countries to the list, countries primarily in Africa. And I know there's a huge problem with disease and with terrorism in African countries, a lack of integrity to the process by which passports and travel documents are issued. There's a serious problem. First and foremost, as commander-in-chief of the American Armed Forces, the president's prime responsibility is national security, public safety, public health. Nobody from either political viewpoint, liberal, conservative, centrist, I don't give a damn. I don't give a rat's tail. That is an obligation of the federal government and in turn by the president to protect us. If you can't do that, you are worthless, useless, and shouldn't be in office. That's impeachable. That's impeachable. So let, let's see now. How many presidents have we had from both parties who refused to protect America and Americans from criminal aliens, terrorists, competition for American workers, and aliens with dangerous diseases? That's all part of the inspections process. We don't have enough inspectors. We sure as hell don't have enough agents of immigration enforcement. It's not an accident. This is a failure by design. The immigration system, as I keep pointing out, is a delivery system. It delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor that displaces American workers, drives down wages, and facilitates the movement of tens of billions of dollars of American dollars out of the country to the countries from which the illegal alien workers come. You wonder why we have a national debt issue? This certainly contributes to it. You wonder why Americans are homeless? This certainly contributes to it. You wonder why Americans and the middle class are going the way of the dodo bird, this certainly has a major impact. This has been going on for decades, both parties, and that's why President Trump is getting tons of pushback. He is urinating on their parade, and they are not happy. And he could do more and should do more, and I hope he does more in his second term. I hope there is a second term for President Trump. And I don't agree with everything he says or does, and his choice of words makes my head spin sometimes. But I don't believe he's being a racist. I don't believe that he's a bigot. I believe, coming from his construction background, his use of language is one of his biggest adversaries. But if the other politicians understand, and believe me, they do, that the vast number of Americans simply want border security and an immigration system that's fair and equitable, Why aren't they offering to give the American people what they want? Why did Hillary get up there and say, within 90 days of becoming president, I'm going to legalize every illegal alien in the United States? Does anyone ever stop to ask the question, how the hell do you interview 40 or 50 million people? There is no way it could be done. So we would wind up giving lawful status to potentially tens of millions of people, sight unseen. What could possibly go wrong? The 9-11 Commission made it abundantly clear that immigration fraud, people lying on applications for immigration benefits, was the key method of entry and embedding for the terrorists. 19 hijackers on 9-11 killed more people than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. And there's a couple of comparisons that we need to draw from that. We were attacked. America was attacked December 7, 1941. 
within 44 months. Let me repeat that, 44 months. The United States went about building fleets of airplanes that had never existed before, fleets of ships that had never existed before, nuclear weapons, tanks, bazookas, you name it, we did it. The war was over and declared safe for democracy, 44 months. America has been repeatedly the target of international terrorists for decades. On February 26, 1993, the World Trade Center was bombed by radical Islamists who came to the United States by gaming the immigration system. They drove a truck filled with explosives into the garage of the World Trade Center and detonated it. The two aliens were men from the Middle East who had violated their terms of admission, so they were illegal aliens. They killed six people. That by itself is an unbelievable tragedy. They injured over a thousand, over a thousand, more than a thousand people injured, created a half billion, with a B, half billion dollars in damages. Their goal had been to topple the tower. And I've spoken to some of the engineers who worked on that blast investigation right after it happened. I was told they came very close to actually bringing the tower down sideways, and it would have happened spontaneously. Their goal, they admitted it, was to kill 250,000 people, and they might well have succeeded. This wasn't a firecracker. This wasn't graffiti. This wasn't a protest demonstration. It was an act of war committed against America. The Clinton administration all but ignored it. In fact, and by the way, the month before that, we had a guy from Pakistan by the name of Kansi who shot up the CIA, killed two CIA officers, wounded three others, and fled the country. And how did he get into the CIA? Oh, with a truck. He was driving a courier van. Motor vehicles are frequently an intrinsic component of terror attacks. Motor vehicles give terrorists an opportunity for mobility, to conduct surveillance, to conduct clandestine meetings. If you drive a cab, a livery, a bus, a van, whatever, someone gets in, they could pass you a memory card from a computer. They could talk to you. They could hand you a piece of paper. If you're doing surveillance, you're not going to see that. Guy gets into a cab, he hands the guy money. What's to prevent him from taking a $10 bill and, and wrapping it around a memory card from a computer and handing it to the driver, and he gets out of the car, and he just gave that driver a gazillion bits of information. It's the Encyclopedia Britannica, photographs, instructions, bank account numbers, whatever. During the Second World War, the big deal was microfilm. Today it's memory cards. And memory cards can hold a library's worth of information. Guy gets in the car, hands it off. You're doing surveillance. You have no idea that the passenger in that cab really had what could be called a brush contact with the driver, and they're both involved in an act of terrorism planning, and so forth. Dangerous. And what's the response from New York and other states? New York is the prime target for the terrorists. Give driver's licenses to illegal aliens whose identities and background can't be determined or verified. They are looking for the MVP awards from Al-Qaeda. So they're releasing criminals onto the streets because we have prison reform, criminal justice reform. Reform what? We need more dead bodies. They will not honor detainers even when somebody repeatedly rapes children. Oh, nonviolent. The guy has a sex problem. Maybe he needs to go for therapy, right? The hell with the child. It's never going to be the same. Imagine what sexual assault on a child does to that child for the rest of his or her life. Imagine when they try to have normal relationships. But that doesn't matter. Why care about that? We have bigger fish to fry. The fish we're frying is America. If this doesn't enrage you, and then I have my conservative friends, because on many issues you'd properly say my Cutler's a liberal. I am. I'm a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. The Holocaust should have taught us that. Tyrants disarm their public before they act. They don't want to have to confront an armed populace, folks. The gun isn't only to protect you against the thugs. It's to protect you against tyrants. Hasn't history taught us that lesson? So they say to me, oh, you know, those libs, they think with their emotions. So let me be clear. I am in a state of white, hot 
flaming rage that after 9-11, we're still playing games. After 9-11, we've had more terrorist attacks committed within the borders of the United States. After 9-11, we have no control over our borders. And the same could be said of after 1993. It took 44 months by the real adults in this country, the greatest generation, to roll up their sleeves and combat the Nazi bastards and end the damn war. 1993 is a generation ago. 1993 is a generation ago. And what have we done? What have we learned? George W. Bush, after 9-11, created the Department of Homeland Surrender, de-emphasized immigration law enforcement. John Hostetler, and I've read it before. I'm not going to go through it again. You can see the articles where I've talked about Hostetler. He was a conservative Republican chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee who had the moral integrity, the fortitude, the chutzpah, the spine to stand up and say this Republican president is screwing us up. And every time idiot Bush made a speech, my phone would ring and they'd say, we're doing another hearing, Mike. Would you like to come down and testify? And I said, try to stop me. Nobody has balls in this country anymore. People say to me, Mike, aren't you worried that people will say you're anti-immigrant? I said, yeah, and they tell me I'm late for dinner also. Who gives a crap? I'm worried about the future of my children and my grandchildren. I'm worried about your kids' future and your grandchildren also. We should all be worried about them. Every damn American should be standing shoulder to shoulder and telling those thieves in Washington and city halls across the country what they can do with that sidewalk act. I personally think they ought to go out and attempt an anatomical impossibility. That's what I think of them. So when I hear this garbage, oh, the libs, and don't you love it, the libs, the libs, oh, they're all about their feelings. Well, God damn it, I'm about my feelings too. I'm in a state of rage. I'm in a state of pissed off. This is no longer a government of the people, by the people, or for the people, because if it was, this garbage wouldn't be happening, would it? Would it? We have to have a debate about whether we need a border wall. If you're in a building that's on fire, do you have a debate about maybe you ought to leave the damn building? How many more people have to die of drugs and gangs and violence and terror attacks before someone says, well, I guess we've run up the carnage high enough? The problem is, as long as the Chamber of Commerce is more concerned with head counts on airplanes and at baseball stadiums than they are with body counts in the morgue, nothing is going to change. And you could say the same thing of religious institutions, and the Chamber of Commerce isn't alone in this. It's, it's every industry. The computer industry wants to import brilliant computer programmers. And what are Americans, chopped liver? We have to stand up, folks, and we have to stop fighting with our neighbors. That's the trick that they're playing us for. We get into fights with each other, and we start insulting each other. Nobody's listening. We talk at each other. Your neighbors who are demonstrating compassion aren't the enemy, and they're not bad people. They're decent and moral people, and that's why they're taking the position they're taking. And I almost want to scream in the face of people that make fun of them, what the hell is wrong with you? Don't you understand that these are truly compassionate people? I wish people like that were alive during the Holocaust. Maybe we would have stopped the goddamn Holocaust before so many millions of people were slaughtered. There's nothing wrong with being compassionate. But they have been the victims and are the victims of the con artists who are out there. Why doesn't compassion apply to Americans? Look at these movie stars that fly around the world to go to some country where you can't even spell the name of the hellhole that they go to so they can adopt a child. Why not go to the inner cities? Why not go to Appalachia, go to Chicago, go to New York? Folks, we have over a half million American children living in foster care. They are desperate to be adopted by a for real family that they can live with forever and call their mother and father by that title because they will have been adopted by people who love them. Why in the world do these idiots at Hollywood have to run around the world to look for a child to adopt when we have so many American children 
who would love to have a home here in the United States. See, this is where compassion comes in. The compassion of so many of our neighbors has been misdirected by a bunch of very polished and effective con artists. And when you start screaming at your neighbors and call them Democrats and all other kinds of stuff, save that language for the politicians. They deserve it. Most of your neighbors that argue with you don't know what the story is. They've been lied to. They've been made to believe in the tooth fairy, and there is no tooth fairy. And those fights are counterproductive, because as soon as you start insulting them, they do what you or I would do. They turn you off, and they don't want to hear anymore. And it just adds to their belief that we're crazy or we're the bad guys. Don't you understand it? Look at some of the comments that I get for articles that I write, other people write, the terminology being used to describe our fellow Americans. Who in their right mind would listen to anybody who could insult them that way? We lost the ability to speak civilly to one another. That's what the First Amendment is about. And for all of you constitutionalists out there, you know, never forget what that Supreme Court justice said. I disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. That's what freedom of speech looks like, folks. It may not be pretty. You know, someone once said you'd never eat a sausage if you saw how they made it. We're fighting with the people whose help we need, our fellow Americans. If they understood the truth, this could be a very different conversation. Immigration is one issue that every American ought to be standing shoulder to shoulder on, seriously. Americans losing their jobs to illegal aliens who get treated like animals or worse? Why? Kids going to school with gang members? Why? Politicians releasing criminals onto the streets? They talk about going after the guns? Listen, if somebody wants to kill somebody and they can't get their hand on a gun, they'll use a knife. If a knife isn't available, they'll use a chainsaw. If a chainsaw isn't available, they'll use a can of gasoline and a book of matches. The concern isn't the firearm. The concern is who wields it. That's the point. We had an incident in Florida with a Saudi pilot. What a disaster. We put that guy on our base, taught him our playbook, and taught him how to fly airplanes. So Boeing, wonderful Max Jet Boeing, could sell more fighter planes to the Saudis. Does anybody remember that most of the hijackers were from Saudi Arabia? There was, if there was any silver lining to that cloud, the murder of those people at the base, it's that that piece of trash didn't use an airplane. He used a gun. Think of the craziness that's going on in this country to placate corporate America. We've lost our minds. We've lost our moral compass. And we're screaming at each other, and social media certainly doesn't help. It acts as a censor, and we've lost the ability to look one another in the eye just the way that the human species has done ever since we first walked upright. If you have a dog, and we do, and by the way, we don't have a pedigree dog. We have a rescue dog. Um, you look into her eyes, and this communication, not the same as person to person. Sometimes I would argue it's superior, but in point of fact, You've got to understand that you look into a dog's eyes and the dog looks into your eyes and there's that connection across species. We have forgotten how to look into each other's eyes and have a goddamn civil conversation. What the hell's wrong with us as a species? Turn down the rhetoric, turn down the noise, turn down the insults. That's the one thing I wish Trump would stop doing yesterday. Stop sounding like a schoolyard bully. I know his supporters find it amusing. I'm going to be honest. I don't. I don't. He's smarter than that. and He's better than that. We're better than that. You don't go to buy a car from a salesman who insults you. Unless there's something broken in your head. We're salesmen too, folks. We're selling the truth. No one's going to buy it if you keep insulting the people you're talking to. If you keep on being condescending and smug, we're better than that. 
forgive me for my rant, but it just enrages me that we could be that stupid and that ineffective with something that ought to be such common sense that everyone gets it in five minutes or less. Any politician who believes that we don't need a secure border is a politician who needs to be out on the unemployment line, post-haste, period. And please don't tell me, oh, it's the Republican neocons. It's not, he's not really a Republican. Stop. I'm sick of it. Ronald Reagan was a globalist. He gave us the first amnesty. And please don't tell me that he was fooled by Ted Kennedy. He's the president of the United States. If he was that naive, he shouldn't have been the president. He also included a confidentiality provision. So why is an immigration agent couldn't share amnesty information with other agencies? If some FBI agent came running up to me, and remember I had a desk at the FBI for 10 years and said, Mike, we're looking for someone who's killed a bunch of people. We need his address. We need his photographs. I would turn over the immigration file and say, here, have it. We would share information. That's why I was there to work with them. If it was an amnesty file, I was not allowed to give it to them. In fact, Thanks to Mr. Reagan, if I provided that amnesty file to any other law enforcement agency, I would have been committing a five-year felony. You go to jail for that. You lose your job. You lose your pension. It's over. Why? He gave us the diversity visa. We're not diverse enough. He gave us the damn visa waiver program. Neocons? No, folks. Stop. Stop making excuses for your party and say it's the other party. Both damn parties are in bed with each other. You want to find collusion? These parties are like those tag team wrestlers I used to watch when I was a kid. I used to go to bed at night thinking they killed each other. I was eight years old, and they spritzed ketchup on each other's heads, and you thought they split each other's head open. And they probably saved some of that ketchup for the dinner that they shared after, the, after their wrestling match was over. This is a fake deal. And we're the ones who are being conned out of jobs our futures, and all too frequently, our lives. President Trump, by the way, had the moral guts to stand up to China. And I'm going to tell you about a case. I'm going to be writing about this. Up until two years ago, China ran roughshod over the United States. George Herbert Walker Bush. And I saw him twice. He came to New York, and one of my close friends was killed at DEA, Everett Hatcher, shot to death by an Italian scumbag by the name of Gus Faraci. Um, I was assigned to DEA intelligence at the time, and George Bush came to New York to uh, basically pay a condolence call, to express his solidarity with the agents, and I appreciated that. Then he said that the work the agents did was no less courageous than the work of soldiers in combat, and we appreciated that. And he did something to change the way that law enforcement is paid, Uh, We appreciated that. But he was a globalist. He was a globalist. He gave China most favored trade status. Bill Clinton ran on the promise of ending it, but he didn't. The first president to stand up to this Chinese menace was Donald Trump. Let me read to you a headline. This was published in the New York Times on January 28th, three days ago. This is infuriating, and it's the tip of a huge iceberg. U.S., this is the headline, U.S. accuses Harvard scientists of concealing Chinese funding. This isn't some guy working in some little wacky school. This guy was as high a profile person as possible who was turned by the Chinese. Let me read this. Prosecutors say Charles M. Lieber, the chair of Harvard's chemistry department. Think about this guy the chairperson of Harvard's chemistry department, lied about contacts with China's Thousand Talents program, a state-run initiative that seeks to draw foreign-educated talent. The chair of Harvard's Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology was charged on Tuesday with making false statements about money he'd received from a Chinese government-run program part of a broad-ranging FBI effort to root out theft of biomedical research from American laboratories. This has been ramped up by Donald Trump's administration. But you're not going to hear it that way, you see, in the media, although this report came from the New York Times. It goes on and says this. Dr. Lieber, a leader in the field of nanoscale electronics, was one of three Boston-area scientists accused on Tuesday of working on behalf of China. 
His case involves work with the Thousand Talents Program, a state-run program that seeks to draw talented, educated uh, people in other countries. American officials are investigating hundreds of cases, hundreds of cases, of suspected theft of intellectual property by visiting scientists, nearly all of them Chinese nationals or of Chinese descent. Some are accused of obtaining patents in China based on work that is funded by the United States government and others of setting up laboratories in China that secretly duplicated American research. Dr. Lieber, who was arrested on Tuesday, stands out among the accused scientists because he's neither Chinese nor Chinese descent. And as a department head at Harvard, he is widely published and more prominent than most of the other scientists who've also been accused. In 2017, he was named a university professor, Harvard's highest faculty rank, one of only 26 professors to hold that status. The same year, he earned the National Institute's Health Director of Pioneers Award for, preventing syringe inject- for inventing syringe-injectable mesh electronics that can integrate with the brain. Harvard's president at the time, Drew G. Faust, called him an extraordinary scientist whose work has transformed nanoscience and nanotechnology and has led to a remarkable range of valuable applications that improve the quality of people's lives. Dr. Lieber has made no secret of his work with Chinese partners, joining five other senior Chinese officials and scientists in 2013 to found the WUT Harvard Joint Nano-Key Laboratory at the Wuhan Institute of Technology. Federal prosecutors said on Tuesday that Dr. Lieber made false representation to questions about his participation in the Chinese program to the United States Department of Defense. He's also charged with misrepresenting his involvement in the thousands' talents and his affiliation with Wuhan University of Technology to officials at the National Institutes of Health. He's been lying to everybody, allegedly. Allegedly. According to charging documents, that means an indictment or a complaint, Dr. Lieber was paid up to $50,000 per month in salary and $150,000 per year in living expenses by Wuhan University of Technology. He was also awarded more than $1.5 million by the university and the Chinese government to build a laboratory in Wuhan. Researchers are legally obligated to disclose such payments to their academic institutions. A second person charged, Zhao Song Zheng, was a Harvard-affiliated cancer researcher who prosecutors said was caught with 21 vials of cells stolen from a laboratory at Beth Israel Deaconess Hospital. Dr. Zheng admitted that he planned to turbocharge his career by publishing the results in China under his own name, according to federal prosecutors. This has been going on constantly. And when President Trump said, we're going to crack down on Chinese espionage, all Wall Street and those greedy bastards could focus on, what will this mean? Trade war? Oh, my God, we may lose some money in profits. Oh, my God. China, ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake, is an adversary, not an ally. Their goal is world domination. They're not playing games. They're throwing a lot of money around because their ambitions are boundless and limitless because China has long-term goals. For the crooks that run American companies, a long-term goal is the earnings report for the next quarter. And for thieving politicians, forgive the redundancy, long-term means the next election. China, Iran, Russia, they think in terms of decades and generations. We are children compared to them. There's no leadership in this country. A final comparison with the Second World War. And I remember this. I was a kid. I started teaching myself astronomy in third grade. I was bitten by the science bug, and had I not lost my parents to cancer when I was in college, I probably wouldn't be doing this radio show because my dream was to be an aerospace engineer. But in my family, we seemed to postpone our goal by a generation. My dad wanted to be a police officer. I became a federal agent. He was a tradesman, a plumber. And my two of my sons, I have four wonderful kids, two of my sons are mechanical engineers. But I was always a science guy. And I remember that Friday night, I had a bad cold. I stayed home from school. I was watching TV. The program was The Life of Riley, if any of you uh, go back that far. And it was October 4th, 1957. And a news bulletin broke in, and they said 
the Soviet Union has just launched the world's first artificial Earth satellite, Sputnik 1. And they played this recording of the sound that was being transmitted by the satellite as it orbited the Earth. I got all excited. I said, wow, finally, an artificial satellite. This is science fiction come true. And my father tapped me on the shoulder. He said, calm down, Mike, they're our enemy. Being a child, I had no idea what that meant. I certainly found out soon enough. But what was remarkable was when I came back to school on Monday, that Monday, my teachers were called to a meeting. Because President Eisenhower had stated that because of what Russia did, we needed to make certain that America would maintain its position of leadership in the world. And the way to guarantee that would be to make certain that American children, American children, I'll repeat it again, children of the United States, American kids, would become proficient in math and science. He didn't say, let's call India, the way Bob Goodlatte, the way that Alan Greenspan, the way that Chuck Schumer and others have said, we got to bring in the world's best and brightest, Ted Cruz, another genius. I almost got into a fist fight with Cruz when I said to him, you know, Senator, just keep talking about bringing in the world's best and brightest. I'm from Brooklyn, and where I come from, we already have a name for the world's best and brightest. We call them Americans. And you would have thought somebody had hit him with a hot poker up his tailpipe. And I still believe that. Voyager spacecraft is having a bit of a problem. They're working to solve the problem. If you remember, Voyager is one of the two satellites hurtling out of the solar system, and it's been in operation since the mid-1970s, built by American, American, American. Do you hear that? American engineers and scientists. I'm tired of the BS. I'm tired of self-hating politicians who have the chutzpah to get away with telling us that we need to bring in the world's best and brightest. Yeah, there are exceptional people to be found around the world. Make no mistake. But when you bring in hundreds of thousands of foreign workers, you're not looking for exceptional. You're looking for exceptionally cheap and exploitable. I always get the same stupid question. Well, would you not have allowed Albert Einstein in? Would you not have allowed you know, Elon Musk to come into the United States? Of course I would. They're truly exceptional. You know, Think of Dr. Christian Barnard in South Africa doing the first human heart transplant. Certainly exceptional if he had wanted to come here. But America has been flooded with foreign workers who steal our technology, drive down wages, and destroy incentives for American kids to go to school because the education costs a ton of money. And there's no guarantee of getting a job in their chosen profession. And even if they do, the wages have been driven through the floorboards. Eisenhower, part of the greatest generation, made it clear American kids would become proficient in science. And math. And because I was the science bug in the school, I was the egghead, as they used to call me, which got me black eyes because kids made fun of kids that didn't give a damn about sports because I sure as hell didn't then and don't now, to be honest with you. My favorite oxymoron is heroic play. I'm still trying to figure out how the hell you can be a hero when you're playing. I was called upon by my teachers to put together a science program for my fifth grade class. And every Thursday at the beginning of the day, I would stand in front of the room and talk about science. I explained how satellites worked, how rockets worked, Newton's third law of motion, uh, all of that. My dad helped me. We built a, a little bookcase out of orange crates that he hammered together and I painted. And the emphasis was on getting American kids to become excited about science and take the lead. Take the lead. And now what are we hearing from the politicians? We need to import foreign workers. My dad told me as a kid that I would teach people how they would treat me by demonstrating what I'd be willing to accept. We've been doing a lousy job of getting our politicians to understand that what they're doing in simple terms is unacceptable. I hope I've uh, given you something to think about over the weekend. Please um, get involved. You know, I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. All I ask is that you read my materials. If you like them, it's frontpagemag.com. I also uh, am doing podcasts for DML News, Team DML. Uh, that's a subscription service. But tell your friends and neighbors about it. Pass along the links to my articles. Put them out there in, the, in social media and have civil conversations with your neighbors. 
as Americans, we ought to be standing together because we are our brother's keeper. Remember, folks, democracy is not a spectator sport. Have a great weekend. I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour.